Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 59. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Gino Colura. Gino is a serial entrepreneur and consultant who owns Grit Ready, Ground Ready International Training, Grit Combatives, and Tampa Gunfights. He talked about the importance of entrepreneurs to keep in mind the big picture, why you're doing what you're doing. Also, the critical concept of the visionary and the integrator in entrepreneurship. And my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him, what is one high-performance habit that you practice daily? And his answer was humility, which inspired me to title this episode, Have You Been Practicing Humility? Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic of humility. Stay tuned right after Jujutsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Gino Colura. He is a blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu under Luis Mata. Gino is a serial entrepreneur and consultant with significant experience in leadership development, human behavior, and operations. He currently owns Grit Ready. Ground Ready International Training, Grit Combatives, and Tampa Gunfights. His role within these companies is to provide leadership, operational expertise, and employee development to ensure every client is served with Tier 1 professionalism and are empowered in ways they never thought were possible. He takes great pride in being part of companies that are rooted in empowerment and assisting individuals to become the best version of themselves. Gino received his bachelor's degree from the University of South Florida in 2008, graduated with his master's degree in international relations in 2011, and later his PhD in neuroanthropology from USF in 2018. Dr. C, welcome to the podcast. Gustavo, thank you so much for having me, man. It's an absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to our time together for, for quite a while now. Yes, sir. So tell us, how did you just show up in your life? Martial arts, if you have done any other martial arts before? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off at the ripe age of four uh, studying judo. And uh, my, my parents put me in judo and loved it, had a great time with it. That kind of transitioned over into boxing. So I, I spent a few years boxing. And when I hit 17, 18 years old, I was walking out of my boxing gym. And there was a small room that had just gotten rented out. And it was uh, by, by a young man who had just moved down from New York to Tampa, uh, where, where I reside. And it had a sign on it. It said Gracie Jiu-Jitsu on it. 
I never heard of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I, I wasn't privy to, you know, what, what had been done in the UFC. And uh, I saw guys in geese and I, a few guys rolling around. I'm like, oh, okay, they're grappling. Or I said, they're probably doing something like judo. And um, day after day, I'd see them rolling, rolling, rolling. And the instructor came out to me. He's like, yeah, why don't you come in, man? Give it a week, give it a week try. You know, you're a young guy. You may enjoy it. And I said, no, man, I know what I'm doing. I, I did judo for years. I'm, I'm good. And uh, <laughs> worst thing to say is like, look, trust me. Just I promise you it's different. You'll have a lot of fun. So I did. I went on the mat and, uh, you know, super cocky, thinking like, oh, I'm going to, you know, throw these guys. I'll put them in case of Katami, pin them. And let me just tell you, within 60 seconds, I was tapped about 10 times. <laughs> so uh, I was hooked. At that point, I was hooked. And that gentleman actually was Rob Kahn. Um, who was a, a black belt under hoist. And uh, that began a journey with him. Uh, I trained with him for about two, two and a half years uh, until I ended up going abroad. And um, when I came back from, from living abroad, uh, I rekindled my, my love affair with jiu-jitsu and uh, have been in it ever since. Great. And how do you feel jiu-jitsu relate to life? Brother, I'll tell you what, man, it, it, is, it is a microcosm of the macrocosm that is life. Um, truly, everything that we experience when we're training, uh, doing drills, conditioning, rolling, um, the struggle, the processes, uh, being able to apply leverage for certain situations, being able to know when to apply certain techniques depending on what your opponent or your training partner is giving you, that's life every single day, right? We, we deal with adversity, we deal with trials and tribulations, we have to deal with stress and stress management. So I think outside of the, 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 the pretty you know, easy connection is, well, yeah, it's, it's exercise and it helps me deal with stress. It's so much more than that. The, the chess game that is jujitsu, the strategy, the tactics, um, what it means to, be, to, to live a healthy and balanced life, uh, it applies. And in every facet, I can't tell you how much my, my training and time on the mat has helped me in business. It, it's helped me in life with relationships, being more patient, waiting for the right opening, don't rush, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, it's a skill set that I think is very unique in the martial arts community um, that, that no other martial art um, can offer. Got it. Now, when did you have the spark to pursue your vision? Let's start with grit. I don't know if you had any entrepreneurial endeavors before grit, but when did you, when did it happen? How did it come about? Yeah. So Gustav, that's a wonderful question. So when, um, I lived abroad. I worked in the capacity of, of working in the anti-kidnapping industry, right? So I lived well, specifically- What country did you live? Colombia. Okay. Yep. So um, specifically in, in Cartagena. And I did a lot of work throughout the, uh, the coast there. And I had the very distinct opportunity to work with folks who owned businesses or were in the C-suite level of, of businesses of international corporations. And I had an opportunity to learn what they do as far as how they negotiate, how they present themselves, how they carry themselves as far as growing a business. So though I had no active role in discussions with them, that wasn't my role at that time, I watched. And I'm so thankful I had a mentor of mine at the time who told me, he goes, take notes. When you are seeing them do certain things, when you're seeing them um, talk certain ways or how they proposition certain deals, Take notes because, listen, it may not be in your career field. It may be down the line, but there's value there. They didn't get to where they're at for no reason. And I was so thankful for that because when I came back home and I started my doctorate degree, I needed to make money. I was a kid and in, 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 in like a young man in college. I had that particular skill set as far as executive protection was concerned. So I figured, well, I got to make money. 
I know I don't necessarily want to work an eight to five Monday through Friday because I don't have the time to. It's a, it's a PhD program, so it's very demanding. So I started with being able to teach people the skill set that I had um, to be their own bodyguard, right? And so I had two folks who were clients of mine from Latin America um, that I started with. Fast forward five years later, I had a team of 12 guys who all worked for me um, doing the same type of work. And, and so, you know, when I think about what sparked it, I think the idea of really feeling fulfilled, really feeling I'm con I was contributing and giving something that was mine, giving it to other folks and empowering them with the confidence, the self-awareness, the understanding of the much bigger picture of what it means to be a responsible person for your life, right? And not depending on, on others for everything and things that we take for granted. Um, I, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with, with the passion involved there. And it really did spark this vision of having an institution, a company that was mine, that, that served others through the capacity of education that mattered, things that were, were real, right? Not something that's a, a widget that, you know, I'm going to, promise you 50 different things that it can do and it can only do one right so that's and much what more year was that so as far as the year that i actually i started the company yes let's say okay that, yeah got you so that was in 2008 okay yeah. so and how long did it take for you to actually go all in oh man yeah a good three years mm -hmm. a good three years and we didn't start really seeing good progress as far as truly getting into the black until the end of year six. Got it. And how was your mindset? That's something that I always like to ask because a lot of the listeners are in transition. People who are maybe were in different position are in a position right now that they're like not fulfilled and they want to do something else or even uh, people who are actually able to pull the trigger on something in their pursuit right now. So we do have both. So how was dealing with the mindset of going all in in this new venture? How did you deal with some of the, you know, the fears, anxieties that have come along? It's normal. It's scary, man. I mean, there, there's no getting around that. Um, and this is where jujitsu really helped me. When I think back to taking those baby steps, just, just to keep pushing, keep, just keep moving. Whatever you do, don't stop, don't quit, don't give up. Anything worth attaining, it's going to require you to go through the fire, so to speak, right? Because when you look at steel and metal, how is it forged? It's forged through fire. So I knew in my mind, I wasn't going through all this work and all this time and dedication just to end up back working for somebody else. Now, there is a very unique bridge that does happen, and to your point, where you're in that transition, that gray area where you have this passion, you have this fire, and you know what you want to do, but you still got to pay the bills, right? You have to do things just to make ends meet. Um, but for me, it was, a, it was a question of, am I taking the right size bites at the right time, right? And, and so and how do you discern at that moment when you're in the fray itself, how do you know if it's the right time? How do you know if it's the right bite? Well, trial and error, right? Yeah. And it's being open to understanding that you're going to fail. It's going to happen. But the question is, how many times can you get up, knock the dust off, and keep going? And jujitsu is a beautiful conduit. Everybody's going to get tapped. You get tapped multiple times in one day. But what did you learn from it? And can you apply it the next time you roll? It's the same thing in business. And what was some of the biggest 
entrepreneurial struggles that you face? Maybe could it be any, any of your businesses? But so, and what did you learn from it? Man, I will tell you the art of management, right? And, and particularly management of not just myself, but as my, my business grew and my team grew, man, at first it's, you know, I've got, wow, I've got an employee. Now I've got two employees, now five employees, eight employees. And because they're part of your vision and they're part of that passion, God, you treat them like family. You, I mean, whatever they, I got you, whatever you need, I'm, I'm here for you. And, and what I learned very quickly was that an element of that is, is okay. That's good. But you also have to have very clear expectations. You have to have a very clear line of communication. Um, so, so for me to learn the art form of doing that and understanding that, yes, I want to be someone who can serve as a leader, a leader for them, but I'm also the business owner. At the end of the day, that, that ownership quality and characteristic, um, never to lose that. And it doesn't mean being pompous or being cocky. Quite the contrary. There, there are lanes that, that come along with building the business and bootstrapping. And once you've gotten to the point to where the business is sustainable, and then it goes from sustainable to profitable, that shift that's happening at the same time managing your staff and your employee and their personality types to ultimately push forward the objective of what you're trying to do, which is grow even more. Um, th there's a lot to that. And you want to make a point to listen to everybody. You want to make, a, make it a point to make sure everyone has a voice, but at the same time, not to lose um, that facet of you are the owner. You're not their brother. You're not their sister, right? Understand that you're here for a mission and a vision to push things forward. Yeah, this is, I have to say, and this is a, a very common topic that we had here. I feel that it's probably my struggle to management, leadership role. In my case, my business being jujitsu, it's, again, that's, it was a cool gig. The next thing became my thing and became a business and mm -hmm. I have a helper that, yeah, help out of the class. The next thing is an employee. So I, I have no instruction or, or classes on that, you know, so right. I made a lot of mistakes. Of course, I still do, but years ago is to make a lot more. And one thing that it really helped me go after education or that with books, seminars, and I think absolutely this is crucial. I, I feel that a lot of people, I would say even that actually for people who are in transition to start to look into this right now, but I feel that a lot of entrepreneurs still kind of underestimate a little bit the power of getting your educational leadership and. Oh yeah. No, I agree with you. I think, you know, one of the, the, the things that um, I run into a lot now, um, now that I have companies that are sustainable and profitable on their own, I like to, to offer my time to companies who are up and coming and to, to, to teach them from my mistakes and tell them what not to do, right? And, and encourage them to do things to be proactive, to get ahead of the curve of what's getting ready to come. And, and the, the art of self-knowledge, the art of understanding, truly understanding, because we all talk about it, right? How well do you know yourself, your strengths, your limitations, all that kind of good stuff. And there's plenty of tools and books out there, but to take the time to be very transparent and very clear with yourself and to, to know that, all right, is it my passion talking right now? Or is it my reality of the actual skill set, education, understanding that I have of what it takes to do this thing that the management and the leadership side on top of being the visionary, right? On top of being the person that has this long-term plan and the pieces that are needed. And more often than not, it helps to have somebody who's on the integration side, right? So you have the visionary and you have the integrator. And more often than not, that integrator lives in that space 
of making sure departments are cohesive, that team members are cohesive, because they've studied it for years, they've become experts at it, and aren't necessarily the visionaries um, and the founders of the company itself. Yeah, and this is something that uh, I struggle to until exactly everything you just said of understanding myself that my weakness and my strength, but regard, especially with the visionary and the integrator, that's something, the mm -hmm. concept that I heard, that I, that I heard about years ago and I start to at least understand, I'm like, oh, okay, I now understand where I'm at. Right. And I, and I know that I'm, I, I land more on the side of the visionary and trying to find people who are going to work with me to get the integrator. My wife, it's an incredible integrator for me. So having that teamwork, You know, if, if you work with, you know, family and, or maybe a spouse or something and having that is great. So she is an incredible help because I'm a visionary trying to ideas and want to do like everything at the same time and yeah. not to lose uh, focus. I have an idea I want to execute and she helps me to stay grounded and executing on the idea also, which is super important because I know, I know that it's not my one of my main strength but i i was listening to your interview once i can't remember i'm, I'm gonna try to find online again because i don't know if he was the president of the golden state warriors i don't know exactly who he was i was just google i just put on uh, youtube sometimes i just put random stuff and i was looking for sports management i just yeah. hear like people talking about sports management so it led to one of um one of the programs, uh, one of grad program about sports management, I'm like, oh, let me hear about these guys. That sounds interesting. And that's one of the guys that I think he did his sports management there in this, in this nice. college. And they're asking what was his job at the, at the Golden State. And he said, I only do two things. One is I'm the visionary. And then number two, it's I find the, the people to execute my vision and mm -hmm. it's so basic, but it made such an impact on me. I was like, Oh my God, that it's like so basic for some people it'd be like, well, there's nothing to do for me, how my brain works. It's yeah. like, that's exactly what I need to, to work on finding the team to execute on this vision. Since especially as the business grow, you need more people. Absolutely. The exact one. So how you, how you see that, like, as you get more employees, yeah. how you, you look for your, the integrators and so forth. No, that, that is, so it's, it's so interesting because <clears throat> when you think about what it takes, and I mean, this is a big field, right? And the, and the idea of, of, so what, you know, industrial organizational psychology, right? And, and, and folks, who are in that space of identifying particular profiles and personality types and people that have particular behavioral expertise. And there's inventories and assessments and, you know, different types of things that people can take to judge their personality and, and how effective they are in organizations. What I have found particularly helpful for me when I'm looking at who it is that I want to invest my time in and in return, have them invest their time and, and myself, the team, the company, the vision, the mission I think it really boils down to, to two main things for me. It's communication, right? I, I want to be able to understand how well they can communicate their ideas, how well they can communicate um, concerns. That is one of the largest things that I see. A lot of folks, that, whether it's intimidation or they feel it's a cultural um, nuance where they don't want to overstep the line and not offer right, what it is, any concerns they may have, that is such a potential roadblock because 
when you think about the kind of relationship you want to have with your team, discussions should be at the level of dialogue. We should be able to have a productive discussion, right? Regardless, it doesn't matter if I'm the CEO, if I'm the janitor, it doesn't matter. If you're part of the team, you're part of the team, right? But for me, when, when I'm looking at the kind of folks to be around outside of the, the content expertise based off, you know, what's on paper, right? Um, their communication style and then how well they can navigate different personality types that already exist on the team, right? And, and so that is an incredible skill set because when it comes to teaching content, when it comes to teaching what it is that you do, if someone is teachable, right, then they're going to have that ability already ingrained to be a good listener, to be someone who can be objective, right? Because if not, they wouldn't be open to learning new things. To learn new things, it requires a certain level of humility, right? And so if you're already open to doing that, then that's a trait and a skill set that I look for very much so. But your ability to communicate and your ability to deal with different types of personalities, that's a big deal in my particular industry because we're service-based. So we are constantly dealing face-to-face -face with new people every single day and not being able to carry a conversation um, is, is a big deal. So whether you are at the top of the totem pole or on the bottom of the totem pole, it doesn't matter to me. When a client or a customer asks you a question, when a client or a customer has an inquiry or concern, how you navigate those waters and how well you can communicate, whether you know the answer or not, doesn't matter. Can you frame it and communicate it in the proper manner? Everything else, we can teach you. Those are the things. That is, a, that is a crucial skill set to have. Can it be taught? It can, but it, that takes time. And just remind me, you even said the word crucial. There is a book called Crucial Conversations, mm -hmm. which is incredible book, especially for that, for communication. I, I read and I listened to the audiobook. It's a, it's a great uh, suggestion for the listeners, Crucial Conversations. Nice. And like, what would you like to share with the listeners, especially they're for the ones in transition, they're going into this entrepreneurial world and you see maybe possibly some of the mistakes that you've seen some, some of the newer entrepreneurs making. So what's something that you'd like to share with them? Whew, bro, I could go on for a long time on that one. But if there was one thing, right, I, I would say, remember the big picture. Right. It is so easy as owners and founders and visionaries for us to get completely entrenched into the details. Right. Start wearing, to your point, the integrator hats. Right. I want to integrate this. Why? Because we're bootstrapping. We, we have to do everything. We have to wear every single hat. Right. That can really play some, some, some tricks on you because you forget at the end of the day why you're doing it in the first place. What made you passionate about it? what made you comfortable with putting in the 21 hour a day, seven days a week, right? And so when you're getting caught up in the minutia, when you're getting caught up in the small details, that often will lead to micromanagement. Micromanagement often leads to high turnover. High, turn, high turnover often leads to having issues with the infrastructure within your company, which affects revenue, right? So remembering your place, remembering the big vision that look, all of us who are in the entrepreneurial circle who are business owners, I think a common theme that exists is we all love freedom. We love not feeling constrained. We love being able to express a certain vision that we have because at the end of the day, we want to take advantage of the one commodity that is unrefundable, right? And that's our time, right? And so each of us has 1,440 minutes in a day. You cannot get back, right? Mm -hmm. How we manage and navigate those 1,440 minutes 
there's a big difference between you and I and everyone who's, ta- who's listening right now who's an entrepreneur and the folks who are working the nine to five Monday through Friday, right? And so and the folks who are in transition even more so because they're, they're balancing between both worlds. So if there was one thing I could tell folks is always remind yourself of the big picture. Write it down on a whiteboard. Repeat it to yourself every single day. Have some sort of image or, 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 or something that will, will be powerful to remind you, listen, when you are going through the quote unquote the suck, right, as the military likes to call it, or, or going through the tough times, just don't forget why you're doing it in the first place and stay the course because I can promise you it is absolutely worth it. Nice. What would you say is the one high performance habit that you have that you practice daily? Helps you in everything in your life, professional, personally, jujitsu. Practicing humility. Uh, that that is one trait I will tell you. And the medium that I like to use outside of training jujitsu is meditation, right? And, and meditating on where I'm at at that time, as far as that particular day, what have I accomplished? What haven't I accomplished? Why haven't I accomplished it? And, and no matter what level of success or no matter how many failures exist, always to be humble, to be reminding my, and always remind myself that two things, I'm, I'm a humble servant first and foremost of the folks that give me the opportunity to serve them. And more importantly, the, the gift of being an educator, being a business owner at the same time is something not to be taken lightly and to always crawl, walk, run and understand that the whole entire process is a game of inches, inches turn to feet, feet turn to miles, right? And so just like training jujitsu, the, 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 the cycle of improvement, it takes time, but it takes consistency. And that is the one thing I think a lot of folks forget. Everybody wants to fly by night, boom, I'm going to start my company next year. I'm going to leave my job. Uh, the average time it takes for a company to become sustainable and profitable is about seven years from inception, right? So <laughs> you got to stay the course. Yeah, I feel that sometimes people get, of course, I'm not generalizing, I'm just saying sometimes some examples, some people get too caught up on social media, what other people, maybe other business or someone that if a friend that started a business, maybe after they did and they, they now they start comparing themselves like I should be at this position, this person is not there. Now they, they start losing their focus just sometimes for like silly stuff. As far as social media, do you notice that? Like how some people end up? Oh, Gustavo, I see it all the time, brother. Yeah, all the time, brother. I mean, you know, the, the, the power that is social media, it's incredible, right? Because, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, remembering the big picture, we're all human beings, right? And we all, we thirst for interaction. We, we thirst for social validation and credibility. And when we constantly compare ourselves, and it's such a cliche thing, people always say, don't compare yourself to others, only compare yourself to you. But when you're looking at why we put so much value on what other people are doing, because we're looking at it like it's a race. Well, if if they can do it, then I can do it, but they must know something that I don't because they're doing this and I'm not doing that. It is the most unproductive thing any of us could ever do, right? Because people always forget that there's a filter that folks put things through on social media as well. They're only posting what they want you to see, right? And so anybody can do that. But the notion that we still compare ourselves, it's a very dangerous thing um, because what factors and what variables exist in those people's lives, if we're using that as a tool of measurement, when they come from a completely different journey than ours, no one journey is similar. Um, It can be a very challenging thing. And the best thing you can do is stay the course, one foot in front of the other, no matter 
what is going on in the periphery, put the blinders on and stay true to, to what your vision is. Yeah, there's a strategic coach called Dan Sullivan. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with him from I have, yeah. he talks about uh, the gain and the gap. It's a really interesting concept. And basically it comes down to sometimes people keep consistently comparing themselves, you know, with others, but at the same time they thinking they looking so far ahead, they're like oh, they're always compared. That means they're as like you walk looking at the horizon and you keep looking at the sun. It never gets close to you and you keep getting frustrated. They're like, man, I keep walking. I don't get there. I don't get there. And they forget about what they accomplished so far, how far they came from the beginning. And that's the, he talks about the gain of the gap. You get caught into that gap of comparing yourself or just comparing yourself to where your idea, where you think you should be or whatever. And you get Absolutely. stuck in that and you're just going to be chasing happiness and fulfillment for the rest of your life instead of focusing on the gain of like day one to now i i have i use this concept with my students all the time especially the fundamentals class at least once a week i have a conversation with that i, I and i was telling them, don't forget don't compare yourself to other students each one have their own journey don't try to compare yourself to someone that is a purple belt has been training for a long time and expecting to do this and that with them because you learned two months of jiu-jitsu. It's just not going to happen. Absolutely. And compare and like, as I mentioned, it could be a cliche, but you know, just compare yourself to it. I, I use this all the time. Hey, you've been training for a month. How to go a match of you against the you of your first day class? Like, oh, there'd be no, con- no right. conversation. Like, exactly. That's the uh-huh. point. That's when you focus on focusing on the gain, not on the gap of the ideal of some. And I tell you, and I tell you, say that, you know, with the experience of I've done that in mm-hmm. my career, oh, yeah. big time of comparing myself for where, what I should have won, what I should have accomplished and forgetting everything I did. So it's always mm-hmm. like that searching for this happiness or whatever. When that was prior my personal development studies and all that stuff when I was younger and just really outcome driven. When you're yes. young, you're just completely outcome driven. I want to win. I want the gold medal. And it got to a point that no matter what I would win, but like, yeah, but it's not that. Oh yeah, but right. it's not. And you think how you should be where you're the ideal that you have. Mm-hmm. And I got stuck in uh, on a gap for a long time. So I tell them like, I'm far from being perfect. I'm just saying that I've done that. So I'm just suggesting you not to do that. And, and I mentioned to them, I mentioned to you jujitsu for you not to compare, you know, just compare yourself from your day one in jujitsu. But pay attention how often you do that in your life. The neighbor's so house, true. it's bigger. And then if you change neighborhoods, you may have this, this house, but there's always going to have a bigger house. There's also someone who have a nicer ride. So That's you're right. always going to be <laughs> unhappy if you're stuck in uh, a gap, you know? No, and, and you know, so what's really interesting about that, Gustavo, is, you know, when we think about the, our education system, right, and how we judge and measure success, student success, things that are ingrained in kids at a very young age, right? There's a metric, A, B, C, D, F, right? And there's a numerical value that's associated with that letter. So when you take that and you look at, okay, so I got a 95, an 88, a 76, whatever the case is, there's that outcome, the ultimate outcome. That's what kids, when they're being told, get good grades, get good grades, you're shooting for a number, right? Well, in business, when we're measuring, 
our outcomes and our successes, what are we looking at? Our P&Ls, right? We're looking at, wow, so I, I got to hit this number because this is the goal that I need to make sure that I'm at least, I'm, I'm either breaking even or I'm, I'm getting, becoming very profitable. So that process, we forget about the process. Everybody wants to think outcome, outcome. And to your point, you're constantly searching, right, for that outcome, completely forgetting about where you started to where you are. And that process, the steps involved in the process, that's where the good stuff is of success yeah. because it's all in the journey, right? And I know, golly, man, especially when you're first starting out and you have your first employee or your first few employees, you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to make payroll? Oh my gosh, am I going to be able to, to do this and buy that and pull this? That is a very stressful thing. And it's, it, it is such a hard thing for a visionary to have to experience because you know what you want it to look like. But when you're going through the actual processes and the operations that are trial by fire because you're bootstrapping, it's a very daunting thing. It can kind of rain on your parade, so to speak, because you're constantly comparing where you should be compared to where you are. And you're forgetting to savor that moment. Lean into that curve of what this feels like and what have I done that's led me up to this point? I need to keep doing that over and over and over again, but learn what's more efficient, what's more effective, what's going to optimize my time and my company, and my employees' time to grow even faster. Yeah, and I would love for the listeners, I would love to tell you that it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> but if it was easy, everyone would be going after goals and dreams and pursuing entrepreneurship and, uh, and so forth. Yes. So that's one of those things that I think this is a, a great concept. I'll probably expand on the final thoughts because after the interview, I always pick a topic and sometimes the, the guest talked about or I researched something and I do my best to share content, yeah. inspire, impact, and improve. Uh, people's lives and the gap in the game concept that it's everything related that you just said right now. I think it's a powerful one that it's super beneficial in jujitsu, but like everything, man, everything, man. And, and so that, and I, and I read this it was probably this book. Uh, he had a, actually a very small book just about that uh, last year. And that gave me like even more clarity to understand like of or giving some more clarity, especially to the students that the first six months of jujitsu are extremely frustrating, mm -hmm. extremely frustrating because you feel like, man, no matter what I do, nothing works. And it's make it or break it for a lot of people the first six Absolutely. months. So I've been trying to get some more conversations with people really getting the idea of the game, the gap, like compare yourself to day one. And they even laugh every time they say like, how to go your match in a three months in one day, like they start laughing like, yeah, like exactly. That yeah. is the point, you know, and Absolutely. Uh, business, how was day one and how is now? Maybe it's not exactly where it'd like to be, but as you mentioned, it's part of the journey and focus on just focus on now that's the that's the best you can do absolutely uh, so what did you say is the best advice you've ever received for anything any area that comes to your mind you know the best piece of advice that that um i've come across uh, it's from a gentleman named dr bill anton he actually has a really good book it's called ascend a-s-c-e-n-d ascend for all the listeners who are tuning in i, I highly recommend you read it um, he obviously be a very dear friend of mine, but um, he says this, he says, 
don't expect the resurrection without going through the crucifixion, right? And so this idea of this new page, right? And it's very similar to what we're talking about right now. This new page, this new thought that you have of what you want your life to be or the person you want yourself to be, nothing is going to happen without going through a lot of pain. Why? Because that's where growth happens. That's where the forging happens. That's where acquiring a new skill set, building new muscles, building more flexibility, whatever it is, it's painful, right? That's what is the conduit to allow us to grow and get to where we want to be. So it's always remembering, okay, so if I have a new vision, that's great. So what is it going to take to make that vision a reality, right? And if that vision is a new resurrection, well, there's going to be another crucifixion that comes along with it. That's going to be very daunting. And I may have learned a lot of lessons along the way, but it's always going to present new challenges, right? And so being comfortable with the uncomfortable and again, practicing humility, no matter how many times build a business, sell a business, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be new variables. There's always going to be new interactions. There's always going to be new challenges and not to, to get ahead of myself, right? Or other folks who, who are peers of mine and, and encouraging them to do the same. Um, walk with one foot in front of the other baby steps. Don't take the three to five foot strides because you're going to miss a lot along the way and eventually you're going to lose balance. Yeah. I love that you brought it up again, the humility, because I feel that it's a word that I started to bring more often to my vocabulary as a years ago, being an entrepreneur and so forth, since I, I opened my, my academy officially in 2012, but I've been hustling, doing my thing, teaching, promoting events, you know, for a while. But as far as my academy since 2012, and I think since then, every year is just getting more used to the, I like to call it to the, the humble pill, you know, just got to take and swallow sometimes dry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Like, ouch. Yes. But, uh, I think that's a, I feel that it's a word that started to, to become more often. I, I, I think I started putting a lot, of course, everyone was like, yeah, 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 I know. But I'm saying actually put more thought into the word yes. humility. That's a different thing. And I feel that probably in the past, like, seven years every year the this word has been growing more more and more to me and and for the i think for the listeners my suggestion even if let's say we're talking about humility but think about what is the word for you what is the mm-hmm. word that every year started to get more and more meaningful to you mm-hmm. another word that probably 2010 I started to put more, and actually it was because of the four-hour work week. I oh, learned yeah. that I started to use, you know, to delegate. We're like, you know what delegate? Yeah, yeah, I know what delegate is. Yeah. But like until you stop to really reflect on what delegate, what it involves. So since then, I, I don't think I ever like really put thought to it. Like, no, no, I know what I mean, but I didn't put thought. So my suggestion to people is to think about a word that's going to really help in your journey. Besides humility, what's another interesting, I just mentioned like two, what's another word that you think that uh, you've been putting more thought into your journey? Absolutely. So, so this is a, a great one. Um, confidence, mm-hmm. right? But when you really break down what, from, from a Latin root word perspective, right? Confidence means confide, right? It means with faith, but with faith within yourself, Right. And so, and again, you combine that with humility Mm -hmm. 
being humble, but at the same time having faith and having belief that the level of consciousness, the level of awareness that got you exactly to where you're at today, right? With all the adversities and challenges that were experienced in your path, in your past, if it got you to where you are today, imagine if you really tap into understanding how it operates, where it's going to get you two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, and constantly reminding yourself of that. I didn't get to this point by being a slouch. I didn't get to this point because I'm not capable and I'm not able. I am very much capable and able, but I also have to accept and with open arms the adversities that are going to challenge me, but have the faith in myself that I'll be able to overcome them. It's the same thing. I think about this all the time when rolling and training. How many times do you get tapped over and over and over again and, and to stay the course with, that's okay. Each time I tap, it's a learning opportunity. It's a learning opportunity. It's going to ultimately forge me to be a better jujitsu player, right? And so each, each point of adversity that comes my way in business, I look at it and, and we're, you know, whether it's rare, but it does happen, right? It's things that are, are like lawsuits, right? Or, or an upset customer or whatever the case is. It is such a wonderful opportunity because having confidence and knowing that no matter what it is, I'm going to figure it out. We'll figure it out. Right. Um, that is invaluable. And I see so many folks because of social media, because of comparisons, um, or because they go so hard, right? I mean, really put pedal to the metal, they burn themselves out. And once you get to that point of burnout, you become very fragile and you become very frail in any point of adversity. You get to a point where you're just sick of it. Your cup is overfilled with negativity and all this stuff that's going wrong because that's what we're dwelling on. So to have the, uh, the, the capacity to know yourself well, know when it's too much, and know when to press the brake, right? It's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And everybody wants to sprint to the finish line because they want to be successful, right? Well, success is something truly, again, it's in the process. So take your time with the process. I love that. And how about, I mentioned this in, um, I don't know, a few podcasts ago, or even when I was talking about with my final thoughts. During my personal development journey and, and stuff, uh, I mentioned at one point that I felt like I was, uh, if for the listeners, imagine like if you're a train, like what kind of train you be? Mm. Mine was, I put in my head that it was a bullet train. That mm. I was just like, I go fast. Okay. Yeah. But I felt like a, the, the, for the longest time, this is me analyzing now we're recording this in 2019, right? So I already had this realization years ago, probably this is 2013 or so. And I felt like I was a bullet train with an irresponsible conductor. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like you Absolutely. just blast through. You just, wow, you just go yeah. fast, not stopping in, in any stations. Or if we do stop, it's like, okay, you got to go, got to go, got to go, next, next, next. And, and then I, I decided to, I ingrained in my head that, no, I can be, a bullet train, but with a responsible conductor. And I now understand that I go fast, but I can stop and they say to smell the roses and enjoy the process and enjoy right. the winds and so forth. And as I develop more and more, and now this is, uh, I have to say, what, 2019? So yeah, I think it was last year, probably beginner last year, I started to evolve this more and I decided that I want to be a regular train with a responsible conductor. However, I can activate my bullet right. speed 
when I want to. Right. You know, so I do my Absolutely. thing. I do it consistent. Yeah. I'm doing, and there's times that is, you got to crank it up because it's crunch time. It is what it is. You got to, right. there's crunch time, there's crunch time. And then I pick up my speed. But when I have to slow down, I'll slow down. And right. I think this is a, it's just a good um, metaphor or something. I don't know, for people to think if you maybe you just grinding mm-hmm. nonstop right now when family and time for yourself, whatever oh. that is, whatever yeah. the smell the roses mean to you. If that means time with the family, vacation for yourself, for you to just mm-hmm. chill, whatever the stopping at stations mean, just make sure that you, and whatever kind of train you think you'd like to be, just make sure that you're a responsible conductor so you can stop in each one, take your time, and then move on. You know, Gustavo, it's so interesting. Uh, and, and I love that analogy because, you know, if you think of, especially in, in the West, right, culturally, we have this, this idea, right? And I think the younger entrepreneur uh, culture is, is, is tapping out of this, but that more is better, right? The more hours you put in, the, the more grind, the more hustle you're going to get uh, to where you want to be. And that's not always true, right? It's the old homage of, you know, train, train smarter, not harder, right? It's the same thing. Work smarter, don't work harder. But if you think of stopping to smell the roses, enjoy the process, right? But, but be effective with your time. But what does effectiveness actually mean? What, 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 are, what are those dots? Is it a question of productivity? Is it a question of revenue? Is it a question of new ideas that are being spawned? What hat are you wearing with the company that particular time? But, but the art of being able to understand what are the things that will make you most effective, right? I think that is so important. And look, for some people, you know, they get up in the morning and they will do uh, meditation or they'll go for a run or they'll, they'll, they'll hit the gym and go to jujitsu class, whatever the case is, whatever you need to prime your day, right? To, 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 to create that, that, that spark, so to speak, to get your mind in the right mentality, to be able to operate in an effective manner is very important. But so many of us still have this conception of, I got to put in the 20 hour day. I, I've got to work seven days a week. And that other times to your point where it happens, you have to go bullet train mode. Yeah, it, it does happen sometimes. But more often than not, if you're planning it and you have an, a true appreciation and an understanding of what makes you tick and how to feed the things that increase your productivity so you can be more effective with your time, your, your week goes from a hundred hour work week down to a 50 hour work week pretty fast. And then from a 50 hour work week to a 30 hour work week, then 20 hour work week, hence the four hour work week book. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you got to give yourself the opportunity. You got to give yourself that opportunity to learn about yourself in that sense, because it's so out of, out of character for what we're, we're quote unquote taught to do to go and get that regular job. Right. And go and put your 40 hour work week in, um, there's a bit of self-study that's involved and there's a lot of great resources that are out there, but no one person is the same. So you really have to give yourself the opportunity to figure out what works for you. So what you just said about the opportunity to figure it out, well, the way that I figured out was through personal development, a lot of therapy, psychotherapy, yeah. and so forth. So for all the listeners, the same way that it helped me, it can help you because maybe you don't even understand why you have a specific behavior. You know what I mean? I was able to trace a very strong pattern through this process. 
I grew up with a single mom raising with two boys with no child support, right? So when you're growing up, there's a good chance that we're going to either adopt or rebel against our parents' patterns or whoever you grew up with, the good and the not-so-good ones. Mm -hmm. I grew up just seeing my mom with one speed, two jobs, doing whatever. Like, she didn't have any time to enjoy like to smell the roses or whatever. She's like, ain't got no right. time for that. It's just, I got to grind. Yeah. I got two kids feed. So yeah. for years, I was completely unconscious about that. And right. I was in the same mode. And anytime, the main reason that I, I wouldn't stop is because I felt, I would feel guilty that mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be taking breaks. That's if real, can, man. Yeah. And I would be like uh, at home, like I'm relaxing. I'm feeling bad. I'm like, I'm slacking. Mm-hmm. So this is a, uh, one of the things too, there's some beliefs that you, you, you're able to reprogram in your mind and this is, this is one of them. But at the same time, there's some patterns that you learn how to become conscious about. Maybe they, they're going to be with you for the rest of your life, but you become more conscious. So I still do. Sometimes I'm relax, relaxing and my pattern like kicks in my workaholic yeah. pattern kicks in big time yes and i need to catch myself i need to be conscious enough to like oh, got it chill that's okay yes. you know yes. so it's not like it's gone and it's like hallelujah yeah. i'm fixed you know i just i just became more conscious of my patterns and that's my suggestion for everyone if you do feel that you struggle a little bit with being a workaholic and you feel guilty and bad when you're not working Maybe try to trace this. Where, it's, where is this coming from? If that means mm-hmm. looking for professional help, look for professional help. Mm-hmm. I got one point in my life that there's so much that books and audiobooks can do for you. There's one mm-hmm. point that it's okay to ask for professional help. And I did. So I was able to start tracing. And I'm, and I'm still do. I mean, I will be 45 this year. Still got so much to learn in life. So I yeah. still consistently investigating my patterns so I can become more conscious. And I think people sometimes, um, sometimes they, they, I don't know if, what do you think? Do you sometimes people feel embarrassed to, to look for professional help, especially in, oh, in, in like psychologists? Cool. I, I love doing, I do couples therapy with my wife. I mean, I, I love it's phenomenal. Her. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is absolutely a phenomenal tool. And I will tell you, when I look back at it, so you mentioned patterns, right? And it's so, there's a a concept and it parallels exactly what you're saying, what they call mental models, right? What are the mental models that are learned at a very young age that though we consciously make decisions not to follow those models, subconsciously, they're still there, right? Mm-hmm. And so we may not even know it, we may not even think about it, and it just kind of kicks in and takes over, right? Yep. A certain way of thinking, a certain way of reacting, responding. And so when we go back to having an awareness of ourselves, giving ourselves the opportunity to be aware, we can take a step back and recognize all the different mental models that are in play because we are creatures of habit. The brain does not like ambiguity. It translates ambiguity into danger. So if it's something right? That it doesn't know how, what to do, or it's new, or it's kind of scary. It's going to pull back and you're going to fall back to your default, which are those mental models. But to recognize that that's happening, that gap that exists between the stimulus and the response and which model you're going to choose to go down, that's a conscious choice and a decision. And it does take a very profound level of self-awareness to Mm -hmm. do that, which you've got to have training. You've got to talk to somebody to, to do that. I will tell you, 
when my um, two times in my life where I have, I have had and gone and talked to a professional, you know, with dealing with life's adversities. And I openly tell folks, do that. It is so beneficial. It is so helpful. But there is still the stigma that that exists. Um, and and it's, it's a shame uh, because it, is, it can be some of the most beneficial um, moments in your life where you can really be introspective. And you have someone who is not directly involved with your life. They can take a step back and kind of point you in the right direction and kind of show you the road signs that are right in front of you and help you decipher what it actually means. And one thing too, it's exhausting. It's exhausting oh, yes, it is. because it's daily 24 oh. seven. Yes. Right? And that's something that I don't care if you're going to go to psychology, you're going to go to retreat, you're going to do whatever you're going to yeah. do. Nothing's going to be, Oh, I'm fixed now. I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I wish it doesn't work yeah, that way. <laughs> there's no such a thing and it's exhausting. No. And when yeah. I look back, from the time that I've been involved with all this personal development per se, I see how much I have improved, but at the same time, exciting that I'm like, man, I got so much to, to learn still about myself of how to deal with my patterns and, and be able to recognize faster when mm -hmm. the pattern kick in like hit, you know, we're about to say, oh, yeah. Catch yourself in, and that the process of emotional maturity, it takes. That's the part of the journey. It really it is. It really is, man. And it never stops, brother. I mean, it, you know, to your point, it, it's not a quick fix, and, and and nor should it be, right? I mean, the, we have all of us as humans, we have a very brief amount of time, right, on this earth, right? And so, what we do with that time, and how we take advantage of just learning about ourselves and everything that goes into the recipe that makes each and every one of us so unique and so different um, to give yourself that opportunity to, to explore that and, and to be patient with yourself and, and to be understanding, um, which often, more often than not, what you will learn and what you can learn without yourself or within yourself gives you such a leg up and if you want to frame it you know business competition or other people that you interact with who have not done that because the level of confidence you have because you know who you are you're getting more in tune with who you are and what makes you tick and why you respond the way that you do so many folks don't do that and it is such a shame because it's one of life's treasures right and it i mean and it can be amazing for you right so um, it is. It, it's a vital thing. It's paramount. I really, truly wish more people would would do that um, because there's such value in it and, and to the experience within the human condition that a lot of folks, unfortunately, never get to experience. And exactly. Some people go through their whole lives that they don't. But here's the thing. There's so many clues along the line for us to do that. Uh, I like to say this as an example because in the mid 2000s I went through a divorce mm -hmm. and my emotional maturity level of course compared to now uh, whatever was uh, 15 years ago of course there's no comparison I have my uh, conscious uh, just I'd say I was unconscious period I wasn't even aware of the concept of self-awareness yeah and I would say that I didn't learn anything from my marriage back then when that happened, I was still in blaming mode, not taking responsibility. Only when another relationship, long-term relationship went bad and exploded, 
that's when kind of I got even deeper because I'm like, okay, I didn't learn my lesson back there. If I don't do this right now, it's going to blow up in another relationship, you know? So that was my clue. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this is the time. But unfortunately, and sometimes it's kind of like someone has a health problem. The doctors say like, hey, just to let you know, you keep doing this, man, you, you're going to, you know, something's going to happen and they don't do anything about it. And years later, boom, it happened again, happened again. And that's the same idea. So the signs are there. It's just a matter of like, again, comes back to humility to accept that let's reevaluate exactly what happened here, man. It is so true, man. And if you think of, I mean, a prime example, right, going back to social media, we, we live in a time where narcissistic behavior, egocentric behavior, right? It, it's a me, me, me show, right? Because everybody has their own profiles. Everybody wants to get likes. Everybody wants to get followers. Everybody wants to be an influencer, yada, 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 yada. But, but this idea of it, it's all about me and I know what's right. I know the best answer. I mean, how talk about egomaniacs, right? I mean, and it's, it is everywhere, 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 particularly when we start judging and comparing ourselves to other people and they have this and I don't have that, but they're doing this. You slice it however, however you want, but we're constantly trying to make these connections to make sense of our environment because that's how this thing's, it's wired. It's wired to make sense of things as quickly as possible to be able to discern what's safe and what's danger. Right. So socially, what is socially dangerous, what is socially safe to maintain social credibility, because we are very much social creatures. You know, when we think about what all of that means for us in, in the big scheme of life and being able to understand that, look, <laughs> you're pursuing these thoughts, you're pursuing this concept that you think you know it all. When this entire time, you have had tremendous immediate feedback from other folks and within yourself to tell you that you don't. But here's the other thing. That's okay. And you have to accept that that's okay. That's the first step, right? I mean, I'll accept that. I don't know. And, and it's okay because it opens up so many doors of exploration that will allow you to, to feed your mind, to feed your spirit, to feed your body. To, to grow the right way. And when we say the right way, well, what does that mean? Well, to, to, to be the best, truly the best that you can be and to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be happy, right? Or truly be content with where you're at at that moment in time in life. Yeah. So I know that you don't have any regrets in life. You're in a position that you add in your life because of all the choices that you made in your life. Now, if you have to have a conversation with the younger Gino when he was starting grit mm-hmm. and you could give him just one tip like, Hey, I've been here. I've been, I'm like 10 years ahead or whatever throughout this journey. I noticed this. What is one little thing that you to tell him? I would tell him, listen more, do less talking and do a lot more listening. Um, you know, when I look back at the very beginning of my career as an entrepreneur, uh, in my mind, the value that I brought to the marketplace was the quote unquote expertise that I carried, right? And being able to translate that and give that to other people. But there were so many clues. There were so many discussions, so many conversations of people much older, wiser and seasoned than I, than I was. And I didn't, li- I did, not that I didn't listen, I didn't hear them. Right. I didn't apply what they were saying to my life because I thought I had it all figured out. I mean, no, I got humility this. comes back in, right? That's exactly right. And so a few times after 
I was dropped flat on my butt because of decisions that I made. I couldn't blame anybody else, but did I play the blame game? Absolutely. I did. Right. I didn't own it. Right. And so being able to go back and look at my younger self and say, you know, really take your time and, and, and hear what is being told to you and, and recognize the signs along the way. Because honestly, Gustavo, I think I probably could have saved myself three or four years worth of time, right? To, to get the business to where it's at now. Um, but because of my own ego, right? But because of, of me thinking that I, I had all the answers, I lost that, right? And I, and I thought I was being humble. I thought I was listening, right? But I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't, right? I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I know what you mean. So what is a book that made a big impact on you and could want to share with you? Yeah, no, that, that's a great one, man. So I, I read this same book every single year and have since I was 13 years old. And I'm sure other folks have read it who are tuning in. So the Book of Five Rings, right, from, from Musashi. But one particular chapter, right, which is the Book of Void, um, you know, there's water, fire, you know, wind, all that kind of good stuff. But the book of void is a particular chapter that for me, I learn more than a few things every single time that I read it every year that goes by. And in particular, it really does align with being mindful, with understanding that it's okay to be still. Truly. And it applies so much even, even to jujitsu, right? And I mean, you know, being able to react based off of the energy my opponent is giving me instead of me trying to force and impose my will all the time to, to, to be completely still and, and feel and wait for your opportunity, wait for your opening, but stay calm, be, be the calm in the storm. And so when you, when you own a business, it's chaos, right? It's, it's constant chaos and everybody would love to say it's a push button operation and nothing ever goes wrong. No. <laughs> Right. There's always fires to put out. There's always issues. There's always, and the more you grow, the bigger you get, the bigger the issues get. Right. So, um, being able to tap in and to understand that the concept of it's all Japanese concept of mushin, right? No mind, right? Being able to suspend all my thoughts, all my prejudices, all my, uh, the things that I hold near and dear to me, right. Which create biases, to be able to get to a point, which I'm always still working on, to suspend all of it and really listen by having that void in my mind and having it carry um, through meditation, through training into every aspect of my life. Um, I would say that that particular book and that chapter always serves as a reminder and a guide. Great. Now getting close to the end of the interview. So if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, usually after, as I mentioned already, I create some content to inspire, impact, and improve your life in some way. So we've been talking about some really cool stuff. There's a lot of stuff for me. Uh, so this is probably not going to be an easy one, which means <laughs> when it's not an easy one, that's good because I research more and I learn more. I like the, even we talk a little bit about the, the gap and the gain, uh, the topic of humility is really strong too. So I'll put some more thought to it. And that's something that people don't know. I mean, because it takes about probably the audio, it varies. It would be from like eh, six to 12 minutes, maybe. Yeah. But man, that can take me days to make this six, seven. And I read <laughs> books yeah. to make this audio of six, seven minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I want to make sure that if I'm going to open my mouth, 
and to share content with people. I want something that is going to impact that it's going to make it. If I don't have any, I do be like, sorry guys, this time there's no audio. I'm not going to just <laughs> post it. People right. in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to make yeah, sure yeah. That if I want to provide content, I will do my best to prepare for it, study and get something, expand even more on something that we talked about. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? Man, so, you know, with one of my companies, um, we're getting ready and it, man, what an education process. So we're getting ready to, to kick off um, a franchise model and, and Which I know nothing about. So uh, Tampa gunfights. Okay. Um, so that is a, uh, for the listeners, it's www.tampagunfights.com. Our, our model is very cool in the sense that most people, they go into a, an average gun range, right? It's a one-way gun range. You're shooting at a paper target, right? Our model is a two-way gun range. So you're actually shooting at other people, but you're using non-lethal ammunition, right? And so the ammunition itself, it's been around, this technology has been around since the late 80s. It's been used by the special operations community and SWAT teams for, for quite a while, but it just became available in the civilian market. And so we were one of the first uh, to, to capture that and take it to the civilian market in Florida. But it, it's this ability to really practice, train, and condition yourself um, to, to utilize different sorts of tactics and strategies um, to be in scenario-based training environments where you're using real guns that have been converted to only shoot non-lethal ammunition. The projectile is plastic with liquid color detergent in it. So think paintball, but it's still being propelled by gunpowder. So you still have a regular magazine, you still have the same type of malfunction issues, sight picture, sight alignment, all the fundamentals that go into to shooting and, and, and tactics and that sort of thing. But we're taking that model and we are going through the process of expanding into different cities. So I'm really excited about it. I'm also admittedly nervous about it as well. Wow. Um, it's, new, it's new territory, right? So, um, but incredibly uh, privileged to have the opportunity to, to dive into that space because it's such an incredible learning opportunity. Awesome, man. And it was a great interview. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. It was a great time. Thank you, Gustavo. No, this is wonderful. And it's, uh, it's such a privilege to, uh, to, to share this time with you and have such fruitful discussion. I mean, you, you've got a lot of experience behind you, man. It's always great to talk to seasoned entrepreneurs who've been in the game for a while. And, uh, you know, they know how it goes. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Gino Colura. If you're listening just to the final thoughts, besides being a blue belt in jiu-jitsu with a PhD in neuroanthropology, he currently owns Grit Ready, Ground Ready International Training, Grit Combatives, and Tampa Gunfights. He talked about the importance of entrepreneurs to keep in mind the big picture, why you're doing what you're doing. Also, the critical concept of the visionary and the integrator in entrepreneurship. And my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him, what is one high-performance habit that you practice daily? His answer was humility, which inspired me to title this episode, Have You Been Practicing Humility? There are tons of different ways in different areas of your life that you can practice humility. And Gino talked more specifically, humility in entrepreneurship. He said, quote, crawl, walk, run. People must understand that the whole process is a game of inches. Inches turn into feet in feet turning to miles. Like jiu-jitsu, the cycle of improvement takes time, consistency, and often people forget about this. They want the results now. 
It takes seven years for a company to become sustainable and profitable, unquote. It takes humility to accept that everything and everyone has their own time. And as I mentioned during the interview, very often people get caught up on comparing their journey with someone else's. And that is a lose-lose game. I want to share a topic that I mentioned to you and Gino during the interview, the gap and the gain concept by the strategic coach, Dan Sullivan. The concept will help you to stay grounded and humble during whatever growing process you're going through. It could be in business, jiu-jitsu, or any other skill that you're learning or developing. Dan Sullivan has been coaching entrepreneurs since 1974. If you would like to know more about him, visit www.strategiccoach.com. And during his career, he has encountered thousands of entrepreneurs who have accomplished incredible goals, have been on the top of their game, and they still feel miserable. But how could that happen? Well, according to him, we all have a mechanism in our brain called the ideal. It relates to the time ahead of us. So when we picture the future for ourselves, we sort of have an ideal of how things will look. Having an ideal in mind is not a bad thing. To succeed, you need to have a vision of what you're working towards. The future idea is a great motivator. However, it's a terrible measuring stick. If you fixate on it and compare your progress to where you should be, but you're not there yet, you will feel regular disappointment and frustration daily, especially when you see others accomplishing what you're striving for. In this situation, you're getting caught in the gap, which is negative. You might be putting your focus on the gap, the space in between your achievements so far and the ideal you had pictured. So you end up having the feeling that you're failing and the frustration is consistent. Now, here's the thing. You motivate yourself looking forward. You make progress forward, but when you measure your progress, you must measure backward. What does that mean? When you reach a certain level of achievement and you want to measure your progress compared to where you started, and you will see how far you came, which is the gain, the positive. It will keep you grounded and humble instead of comparing to where you think you should be. I mentioned in the interview that I have this conversation of the gap and the gain with the white belts at my school often. They have this ideal of how they should be rolling based on how long they have been training. Then they start to compare themselves with other students, which most of the time it will lead to frustration. And I mentioned to them, how would a match with you now go against the first class you? Who would get the best of it? They always laugh because they know there is no comparison. So if you're consistently comparing yourself to others or consistently measuring yourself to this ideal that you haven't reached, you will always be frustrated and stuck in the gap. Now, if you measure your progress backwards based on where you started, focusing on the gain, not on the gap, it will give you internal peace and acceptance that humility, it's a crucial part of any process and comparing yourself to others is a lose-lose game. Everything and everyone has their own time, and you have yours. Now, how have you been measuring your business progress? Forward or backward? Have you been in the gap or the gain? If you are in the gain, great job, keep it up. Now, if you're honest to yourself and you recognize that you have been stuck in the gap, be humble enough to accept that the whole process is a game of inches inches turning to feet, and feet turning to miles, as Gino said. 
So crawl, walk, run, then measure backward. Oops. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.